0: Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast, formerly the Market Weekly podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights on the topics that really matter to investors. We'll continue to analyze the world and markets through the lens of sustainability, which is becoming ever more important in a rapidly changing world. We hope you enjoy Talking Heads and find it useful. And now on to today's show, uh, for which I'm joined by James McAlevey, head of multi-sector fixed income. Welcome, James. Thanks for joining me. Hi, pleasure. So if we think of the context, James, and if uh, a manager of multi-sector fixed income, I guess I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit about what that is. But if we think of the context and how different 2022 is likely to be from 2021, we've seen that uh, with a vengeance over the last couple of weeks. Uh, If we think even from the lows, Treasuries up nearly or U.S. Treasuries up nearly 100 basis points, real yields. Uh, up 25 basis points in just a couple of weeks, and of course, along with that uh, comes negative returns for a lot of fixed income indices, uh, tips uh, or linkers, for example, are down 2.1 percent just so far this year. Uh, Eurozone doing a bit better, and I'm kind of mentioning these different asset classes because I think that's uh, what exactly what you think about. Uh, if we're in a hiking cycle, as we seem to be moving very close to, uh, it's probably got to be one of the most challenging environments for fixed income. Uh, portfolio manager. Before we go into the environment more specifically, maybe let's just start with uh, a general question, introduction, kind of who you are, uh, and tell us a bit more about your role within fixed income at BNP Paribas Asset Management.
1: My role here is as the head of Global Aggregate and Absolute Return, and effectively what that means is that uh, we manage all products uh, and portfolios for for those investors that have the ability and and willingness to invest across the entire fixed income opportunity set. That means we spend an awful lot of our time focused on asset allocation decisions. Um, I think the one thing that that strikes me uh, most significantly uh, about our role and the importance of it is that When I look historically at the difference in performance between different sectors within fixed income, um, they're significant. Um, On average, I think over the last 16 years or so, the average difference between the best and the worst performing asset class within fixed income has been about 15%. There are some years within there, such as those years in and around the global financial crisis, where that difference has been upwards of 30% and close to 50%. Now, clearly, they are exceptional circumstances and we don't expect them to repeat again. But I think, you know, even ordinarily experiencing 15% differences between best and worst performing asset classes or sectors rather within one asset class, such as fixed income, is definitely something that the investors uh, need to be aware of. Some investors are obviously um, very active in terms of trying to exploit um, those differences. But other investors don't necessarily have the expertise or the insights to enable them to make you know, convicted decisions between owning inflation versus emerging markets or high yield, perhaps. So it's very much our role and job to help steer those portfolios towards the best opportunities and the best performing asset classes that we feel are likely to prevail over the, over the coming period. If we think then of a multi-strategy
0: fixed income product, maybe you can explain a little bit more kind of what's what's the purpose? uh, How does it differentiate itself vis-a-vis other types of fixed income funds?
1: Yeah, good, good, good question. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of time people spend focused on, you know, which individual asset class to purchase perhaps. And people are focused on single strategy fixed income. But I think granting an allocation to uh, managers or products that have the ability to be very flexible and fluid in terms of making those asset allocation decisions between different um, sectors within fixed income um, adds another layer of opportunity for our performance. And again, given the comments I made earlier about the level of dispersion that exists between different underlying fixed income sectors, there's an awful lot of potential value to be had there. Um, I think also the other thing to note is that, you know, many of the portfolios and products that we manage are are very flexible in the way that they can um, try and exploit or or manage, um, you know, the underlying uh, risk factors within those portfolios. I mean, something like duration, for example, it's a, you know, it's a very good conversation point in today's world for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, because um, most benchmarks um, have extended significantly in duration in recent years. And of course, that's the sensitivity of the portfolio to movements in yields and interest rates. The reason durations have extended so much is because with yields being as low as they are, issuers are very keen to take advantage of of such a low yield environment and issue very, very long dated securities that have much longer durations. And that, of course, makes perfect sense for them But that doesn't always make perfect sense for us as investors. So we as a desk have the ability to um, selectively manage the overall uh, duration position for the portfolios. And I think going forward, that's going to be even more important for us because we're obviously having discussions now around um, potential um, interest rate hiking cycles in a way that we haven't had credible conversations about them for some time. We obviously saw the Fed initiate a short uh, hiking cycle in recent years, but the conversations that are now being had within uh, this business in particular are that the Fed may extend that tightening cycle further than we saw previously. And as we know, that results in rising yields and that results in potentially uh, negative reserves unless those um, underlying um, you know, risks are managed accordingly. And that's what we spend a lot of our time doing as well.
0: If we think about 2021, then, I think we're all quite aware that for fixed income, it was quite a challenging year, you know, one of the worst years for U.S. Treasuries in and, and quite a long time. And people then, of course, have understandable worries about 2022. What are your expectations?
1: I mean, I think we could see an environment that, that looks quite similar um, to, to last year in many respects, particularly from a total return perspective. Um, but it is important to note that in flexible uh, funds, multi-sector funds like like we run, um, we have the ability to moderate many of those risks, and actually they present opportunities for us. We have a, a full and flexible toolkit that allows us to manage the duration of the portfolios, um, and in a rising rate environment, having access to the tools to enable us to do that, I think is going to be crucial. Uh, we have the skill set to enable us to, you know, think about. Um, where yields might move to, and how best to mitigate the potential negative returns that the rising yield environments might pose to, to bond investors. So much so that I think maybe the best example I can use to demonstrate this is the, the view we've discussed around the Fed and, and hiking cycles. And as we know, when central banks move to hike interest rates, it's often the, the front end of the yield curve that is most sensitive to that. And we definitely have a view that the front end of the yield curve, that is bonds in the two to five year sector should continue to move higher in yield over the coming 12 months. But but again, like I said, that presents an opportunity. We're able to to benefit from that. We can not only go underweight that sector of our of our universe, we can explicitly adopt short positions to those bonds and, and those sectors of the fixed income universe. And therefore, um, you know, that presents an, an opportunity, not just a challenge.
0: When you think about that opportunity set, what do you see now as the most interesting or, if you will, out of consensus view that you currently have in the portfolio?
1: Yeah, again, it sort of plays into into that dispersion argument again, doesn't it? Where you know I think that the environment we face and the opportunities that we have is so diverse. I think there's always something happening under the hood that, that is exciting and is interesting. And and potentially today, that is the emerging markets, generally speaking. I, I think that is a somewhat out of consensus view in large part, because as we know historically, when the Fed heightened interest rates, emerging markets are generally front and center of some of the challenges that that the markets are confronted with. Um, I suspect this time around that may be a little bit different though. Um, Firstly and foremost, within the FX markets themselves, we've come out of a significant extended period of underperformance for emerging market um, FX, and it's already looking a little bit cheap on, on many metrics. But but more importantly than that, perhaps, um, the issues historically have always come about because emerging markets themselves have had very large external imbalances or large current account deficits, if you will, that have meant when the Fed tightens interest rates and capital leaves the emerging markets in search of better opportunities, they have domestic funding crises. Now, the emerging markets generally in aggregate are are much, much better set up for for that today. So, we kind of feel like the emerging markets are on much better footing this time around, certainly from an FX perspective. I think the other important point to note as well is that within the local uh, markets, that is those markets where bonds are issued domestically um, in in the emerging markets, many central banks have actually tightened interest rates already. Um, They've had inflation problems as well. Unlike central banks in the developed markets, they've tried to get ahead of the inflation problems um, and they've managed to get real rates in some instances into positive territory. So, if inflation cools a little bit going forward, um, what we might find is that some of these central banks are actually in the fortunate position of being able to cut interest rates again. And as we know, if they're cutting interest rates, that will be uh, good for uh, yields moving lower and positive for for bond returns. So, uh, therein, again, we feel like there's another really interesting opportunity. And it's not all local emerging markets, but maybe places like South Africa or Mexico or even Indonesia. Um, Those higher yielding markets where real rates are are either approaching um, positive territory or already in positive territory. Um, The last opportunity still within the emerging markets um, exists, we feel, in emerging market credit, um, generally within China uh, and specifically within China, perhaps within the property uh, sector. Um, we know for a while that the Chinese authorities have been on a campaign of, of deleveraging the economy and deleveraging the sector in particular. And within that deleveraging process, there's definitely some uh, businesses that have come under a significant strain. But we generally feel uh, deep down that the Chinese authorities here are not trying to pull the rug from under the sector. Uh, they want to carefully delever it. And I think if you know, any economy out there is capable of controlled deleveraging, it's, it's the Chinese economy. So that's a sector we're looking very closely at. And again, I think, you know, even despite the fact that we could be staring at another generally challenging year for fixed income, there are always opportunities and sectors and markets within our universe that we can buy and hold that can deliver us positive returns going forward.
0: Well, I have to say I'm a bit more encouraged than I thought it would be at the start of our conversation. Uh, If I can summarize a bit uh, what you've shared with us, I think you pointed out that you had the advantage of of being able to invest across the entire fixed income opportunity set, and in an environment like this, that's certainly a key characteristic. And if there's one word I think you repeated the most uh, while you were speaking, it was flexibility. And and the key thing is being able to take advantage of that flexibility. Uh, And also an interesting statistic that you shared that uh, you've had a divergence in returns between the best and worst within fixed income, sometimes as high as 15%, which I think might come as a surprise to a lot of people. If we think then about how to manage what we understand is likely to be a rising rate environment, at least in the US, uh, you talked about your ability to take short positions uh, where necessary, and in particular, uh, we're excited about opportunities within emerging market debt. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BMP Paribas Asset Management Contact or check out our Investors Corner blog. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable investment insights or search for investment insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. My thanks to James for sharing his insights.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Please join me next week when I'll be speaking with Alex Bernhardt, head of our sustainability research department be discussing with him net zero, what it is and how do we get there. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.